Would you please open your Bibles, whatever form you have it again, to Acts chapter 6. And so Acts chapter 6, we're in a study going through the book of Acts, the Acts, some call it the Acts of the Apostles, some call it the workings of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the theme that we're exploring is that um, the best is yet to come. And we see that in the book of Acts. And the best is not always what you and I expect it to be. Like I said, within Chris's mindset, when he moved to Switzerland at the age of 16, leaving South Africa, he saw a church with many, many young people. He was in a small group on a Wednesday night, a Friday night, Sunday night. They went to church. There was so much for him there. We came to Switzerland, and he didn't have that. And um, it was tough for him in the beginning. And yet, you know, we would say to him, the best is yet to come. Sometimes we've got to go through obstacles, we go through trials for the best to come. The scripture clearly tells us that for us to enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we've got to go through many trials and through much difficulty. And we see that that's a prevailing theme through the book of Acts. And you'll see as we come to some bits, um, of course Stephen being the first martyr, and when you see others being martyred for their faith, you'd say, Peter, is the best still to come? Well, when you look at Stephen's example, Stephen clearly, when he looked up and he saw um, Jesus standing up from um, his throne room to receive him, and the best was coming for him. And so the best is yet to come. Exploring that theme. And um, so we're at... Acts chapter 6, Ken preached on Stephen last week, and of course a few weeks ago, thank you so much Christopher for stepping in on the Friday night when I took ill and I couldn't speak, and so I'm going to speak on Acts chapter 6 today for that reason. Let's read from verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on the tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known and I emphasize the word known. They had a track record. Who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We would turn this responsibility over to them. And we would give our attention to prayer. And the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group that chose Stephen. A man full of faith. And of the Holy Spirit. I asked the question, Christo and I spoke about that a few weeks ago. I said, you know, when you talk, when it speaks here about men who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, they had to see something in them. It was visibly shown. 
Otherwise, they would not have said, men who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Outwardly, they could see that there was something different in those people as opposed to the other people that they shouldn't choose. So it was visible. Please do not use the excuse that spirituality is not seen. Spirituality is private. My friends, if we are truly filled with the spirituality that comes from God, it will show. And this is the point here. So I ask the question, what does it actually look like to be a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit? It says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, and of course we read about Philip in the next few chapters. He became a wonderful evangelist. Um, he was also a Greek. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timor, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. When Oliver Cromwell had his portrait painted, they brought the finished picture to show him, and he saw that the artist had very tactfully emitted some rather disfiguring warts. He said, take it away and paint it again, warts and all. A phrase that has gone down in history. What I love about the Bible is that it gives us the stories of men and women, warts and all. <laughs> and again here in chapter 6, the Holy Spirit, as he wrote the word of God, presents to us a story where the church is seen as she is normal. And a problem is highlighted here where we see that the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews, their widows were being fed and the one group felt that the other group got served before them and got more food than the other and when they got their food, their food was getting cold. And so we had complaining within the church here. And we see that they started to become, you know, a, 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 an infighting. And we, we see that they were dissatisfied. And, and, and so we see the warts within the church. You know, I like to speak about the problems within the church, not only the victories. You know, have you heard people just say, don't talk about your problems. Just speak about the good things within your life. My friends, that's just not biblical. We do need to speak about the negative things within our lives. We do need to speak about the problems that you and I have. Because we see here that the Holy Spirit highlights a problem within this young church. 
You see, what had happened was that within this stage of the early church, they were still having two services, one for the Hellenistic Jews, one for the Hebraic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews were those who were um, saved, but who spoke Greek. And so they came back to Jerusalem, they got to the synagogue, and they started to worship together, but there were separate groups where they did it. And so we see that there was some real problems here. As I was reading this passage, I started just to wonder and to say, God, where are you in all of this? Where are you in the book of Acts? And of course, the Bible here speaks so often of the Holy Spirit, and we know that the Holy Spirit is God. And as I was reading it, I just said, God, you know, show us today through this passage who you are. And, and, and what I love about this passage as we look at it is that the Bible highlights a problem here for us. And so this morning I want to speak about God who is the best problem solver. I want to ask you, if you have a problem at the moment, would you quickly stand for me, please? And if you don't stand, then you probably are not being totally truthful or you can't stand. If you don't have a problem. Okay. Okay, good. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so most of us do have some kind of a problem. My friends, God is the best problem solver. And um, if you don't have problems, you probably are not venturing out in faith much. Because, you know, when we venture out in faith, there are obstacles that we need to overcome. This church was growing. Um, this church was really growing in numbers. And we see here that as this church started to grow, there were also problems within the church. Normally, churches that, that don't have problems are churches that's not growing. I'd rather have a church with problems that's growing than one not with not. And we see here that that is actually what was happening within the church here. And we see that God is so masterful in dealing with our problems. But when we look at this passage, the first seven verses, you actually don't see God's name really mentioned here as being the problem solver. And so as I was reading, I started to understand that if you look very carefully, you find God on every page of Scripture as the Holy Spirit opens, opens it up. And wherever you find a problem or a need, my friends, you'll find God present. Now, some of you have come in here and you've come with some real needs. I want you to know that as you come here today, God is present. And he is the best problem solver. And we see here within the church that God comes and at this very, very tender stage of the church here, 
He wants to solve the problem. My friends, when there's disunity within a church, you'll see that everything will start to crumble within the church. And so God comes and he wants to solve this problem. And at face value, it looks like a small little problem. But God gives attention to it. As a matter of fact, this was an amazing turning within the life of the church for a number of reasons. As we study further on, you will see it. This was a crucial point in where God started to address the problem with the Gentiles and the Jews. Up to this point, the gospel went out and was preached to the Jewish people. And we see it starts to change. And now the gospel was going to start to be preached to the Gentiles in a few chapters to come. And so there is a knock-on effect. And we see that this problem, God gives attention to My friends, God is the best problem solver because God cares about you and your problems. Just look at Acts chapter 6 verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing a growing church, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows was being overlooked in the daily distribution My friends, God cared for all of these widows. God wanted to make sure that they were properly fed. He stepped into the picture. And even as the scriptures were being written by the Holy Spirit, he moved on those people to bring the complaint to the leaders of the church so that it can get sorted out. I want you to note that they sorted out the problem quickly. They didn't wait. They sorted it out quickly. My friends, when there's a problem within your life, go to the relevant people or to God for that problem to be sorted out very, very quickly. And we see that that's exactly what happens here. God is the best problem solver because he cares about you and he cares about your problem. As I looked at the passage here, I understood that the reason why God said, choose seven men among you who are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. Why did God say choose these men? Because he cared about those widows. And so God had a plan, but he cared for them. Now, I'm not sure whether those widows understood that God actually cared for them. You see, the moment we start complaining, oftentimes we take God out of the picture. But God steps in and he wants to step back into the picture. And God comes and he wants to solve the problem. My friends, one of the number one issues of true faith is whether you and I believe that God actually cares for us or not. I think 90% of our issues within our lives would be solved if we could settle this issue that God actually cares for you and I. I felt that it is such a basic truth 
And I felt that I actually shouldn't even emphasize it. But then when I started to look at my life, I started to understand that so many of the struggles that I have had within my life over the last 58 years came down to whether I believed whether God actually cares for me or not. And I thought, well, if I would struggle with these things, maybe if you are human like me, that you would also struggle with it. Does God care for you? Do you believe that God cares for you when your little baby wakes you up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? Your baby won't shut up. <laughs> Just cries. And in that moment, you say, God, do you actually care about me? <laughs> when you're struggling, with certain problems within your life, and they are not met, do you actually believe whether God cares for you? You see, with God caring for us, it is strongly linked to whether God actually loves us or not. If God loves us, he'll care for us. And so if you just look back at this past week, in certain situ situations that you face yourself, that you've come in contact with, did you maybe think, well, if I only knew that God really cared for me, then I can get through this challenge properly. Well, I wonder whether these widows actually thought about that and said, no one actually cares about us. Again, the Jews are favored who speak um, Hebrew. They are favored. We speak Greek. We don't matter. And we see here that God put it upon the hearts of these men to say, choose seven men who are full of wisdom, full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit. And let them wait on you and solve the problem. Over the last few weeks, we had our older son with us, and his girlfriend arrived, such a lovely, lovely girl, and she's been with us too, and this past week, we were at Chris's graduation, and we met a lot of people, and we met a lot of Chris's friends from the college too, and uh, we had them around for a barbecue or two, and it was great, and many, many of those people that we met significant amount, do not know who God is. And I wondered whether those people every now and then cry out and ask the question, is there a God who cares for me? And I wondered throughout the last two weeks how I could show them that there is a God who cares about them. You know, and uh, Jenny and I have developed this philosophy which we have within our church that we reach out to people through the goodness and the kindness of Jesus, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. You know, and I thought, well, how can I actually show them that God loves them, that God cares for them? My friends, one of the ways that we can care for people is to do it physically. In this case, 
care was shown to these widows physically where they were being fed. Their material needs were being met. Now, these were believers. So they knew God, but they felt that they were not being cared for. There is definitely a place, and it is so important for you and I to meet each other's needs within the body of Christ. We're the hands, we're the feet of Jesus. There are times when people don't feel that God cares because we don't care. And there are times when people would feel that God cares because we care. And so we see that contextually, this is the message here. That God cared for them through people. In James it says it's no with us just saying that we have faith, but we don't follow it up with our actions. He says, if you say that you have faith, but it doesn't show, he says, mm, I'm not sure. He says, look at my actions and I'll show you my faith. In the same context, my friends, we've got to make sure that we take care of one another's needs. And again, I say that Lift Church is an amazing church. It does it. You don't hear everything that I hear. I get rather upset when people criticize this church. So don't come and criticize our church because if you do, you know, um, you'll I will probably have a headbutt or two. Don't, critic don't criticize this church. This church is one of the most generous churches I know. They reach out to others and they really look after people. And I love that about our church. Don't you love that about the church here? Incredible. People have found a home. God cares for others through us. But then I ask the question and I say that there are some times when you and I don't care the way that we need to. Does God still care about the needs of other people? And my friends, we've got to bring the gospel into this truth about caring, God caring for others. And I thought, you know, Jenny and I can do whatever we want to. We can show the goodness and the kindness of Jesus to people, but we've Got to take it one step further. My friends, one of the key principles and truths of our church is that we love others through the gospel. Through the gospel. We cannot just say, well, we're going to just meet the physical needs of people. We've got to explain the gospel to people. For God, let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. My friends, God shows his care to people through the gospel. It's not good enough for you and I just to say, oh, we're just going to love people. We've got to love people. We've got to love people through the gospel. If we've tried to love people for a year, two, three, or four, but never have had an opportunity in a loving, creative way to tell them 
about the gospel of Jesus, then we haven't actually cared for them properly yet. And this is a good place to say, oh man. Then we just become a social circle. We've got to be able to articulate the gospel to people. My friends, God is the best problem solver because he cares about you and your problems. Secondly, God is the best problem solver because God has a specific way in which he wants to solve your unique problem. How did God solve the problem within the early church here? He just said in verses 2 to 4, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Acts chapter 6 Verse 5 says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and Philip. My friends, the way that God solved the problem was through men who were full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. God cared so deeply for this church that he didn't just want anybody to serve them. He specifically asked them to choose certain people. In that, we see the love of God. In that, we see the care of God. I know when I came to this church, Jen and I, and um, when we saw people serving within the church, particularly with the kids' church, we said, to the people who were leading the kids' church, we want to know every single person by name who touched the lives of our children there. I said, I want to know who they are. I want to know who their lives are. I want to know what they're standing before God is. Because we love our children enough to make sure that they are cared for, for people, by people that we approve of. Was that to be critical? No. It was because we care about our children. When you walk in there, our children are cared for by people that we approve of. So we see here that God has a way to meet our needs. And it's so different from ours. The Word of God clearly has specific instructions how God wants to meet your needs. And that's why we need to go to the Word of God. If you have a financial need, my friends, the Bible tells us how that financial need needs to be met. If you are lonely as a young lady or a man, young man, God has a specific way to meet that need. The Bible says in Genesis that Adam was lonely, so he created a helpmeet for him. God cares about our every need. Within this church, the people who serve, particularly in spiritual matters, we choose them. And we want to make sure that they are the right people to serve. 
God has a specific way in which he wants to solve your unique problem. What are your problems? Speak to godly people who know the word of God. And God has a way of solving your problem. One of the wonderful ways in which God solves the problem of the world is for churches to be started all over the world. And for people to be a part of churches, a significant need within their lives will be solved if they are a part of a church. That is God's unique way to meet needs. I look at some of the single people within our church. God wants to put the lonely into families. One of the ways the single people can find love is within a community of believers who love them. We have small groups that you can go into. Those small groups love the people who are lonely. And sometimes married people going through struggles, how can that problem be solved? My friends, God has a unique way to meet these needs within our lives. But I want you to know that God doesn't just choose anyone. He says, choose those people from among you. They were disciples. They were accountable. He says, choose people who are full of the Spirit. That means, <laughs> and it's a wonderful term, this. It is people who are full of the things of God. You could see that. I can see when people are full of the things of God. These are the people who are full of the Spirit. They are full of the things of God. Choose people who are full of wisdom. These are people who can connect the dots in a godly way. Someone once said, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Let's turn it around. Life is hard, but it's easier when you have God's wisdom. People who are full of faith. It is people who will believe God. People who are full of faith will do things God's way, not your own way. Those are people who are full of faith. And you'll see it. These are the people that we release to take care of the things of God. God is the best problem solver because great things are accomplished when we do things God's way. Look at verse 7, it says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. My friends, when... We do things God's way. Things will happen. May take a bit of time, but when we follow God's ways, when we have problems, there is a godly result which will bring God glory.